Hello and welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of sporting directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impact within football across the globe. My name is Shailesh, I'm the CEO at Get Football Group and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host David. David, how are you today? I'm well, Shailesh, how are you? I'm, I'm doing okay, although um, if <laughs> we're just about to enter a thunderstorm here by the looks of things, so the thunder is definitely uh, picking up. So I apologise to the listeners if you hear some thunder in the background, but I guess it just adds to the atmosphere of the podcast. So we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. But but David, actually, you know, it, it's actually been um, a little break for us, so it's, it's good to get back on the conversation with regards, you know, sporting directors and all things football. And I think today what we wanted to try to do is is talk a little bit about managers, actually. We're kind of coming up to that time in the season, um, you know, the first, I guess, few months or a few games where, you know, people start getting, I guess, itchy fingers about managers and their roles and things. And I know we spoke previously on, on an episode, episode four that we did, where we talked a little bit about hiring managers and what's involved. But today we, you know, that was a while ago, but today we wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper into it. Um, but before we kind of talk about the different attributes, you know, that maybe directors look for in managers and the hiring and all those kind of things, you know, you often hear the distinction between a manager and a head coach. And, and one of the, the reasons I want to ask you this, I know it can often be semantics, but I'm just wondering, does it actually matter to a sporting director from what you've seen and the way they hire about whether it's a head coach or a manager? And just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. It it it, um, it really depends on the uh, it depends on the football and culture of that club. But then uh, if you zoom out more so like that country, um, that league. So in uh, say Italy, um, the they're going to be called a manager uh, or, or uh, colloquially uh, mister because they're the ones who, you know, they lead training sessions, they're in the, the changing room, things of that nature. But it is universally known and submitted to that they are not um, in charge of recruitment. Um, that is that is cultural. Like, that's generationally understood in Italy. Um and other countries say, like maybe like the, the UK, um, you know, Championship, League One, League Two, obviously the Premier League. Um, it's more of a, it's just not as in culturally ingrained. So I, I think that's the best way of answering it. It, it really depends on the culture. I don't think it matters, um, but it, it it's just like with anything else. How is it communicated upwards and downwards? Does the manager coach know what his specific um, you know, uh, remit is, does he, does, does he know that he has final say on players coming in? Okay. Um, but then the reverse of that is true. You know, does the sporting director understand, appreciate and respect the fact that he has no say on play style or substitutions or, you know, things of that nature. So communication and then context culturally specific, that's, that's the distinction. But do you, do you see it? changing or swaying like a, a little bit i guess where i'm coming from on this one is like um you know back in the old days you know when you have uh, managers like you know arsene wenger or alex ferguson sir alex ferguson you know in the uk in the in the premier league they kind of did everything right there was no concept of a sporting director they kind of took 
care of everything football when pretty much the whole structure's behind it. And it felt like we got to a point where, okay, sporting directors is a new thing. Let's get sporting directors in and start calling everyone a head coach and let them focus on just the football kind of side. Um, you know, like you said, the, the tactical elements, etc. But then I'm just wondering, is it going back the other way where you get more head coaches that are managerial type roles, if that makes sense? Or is it just whatever fits? You know, it, it, it's it's so I don't have a great answer or um, inkling either way, because it's it's like I said, it's really culturally specific. Like sure. I mean, I've shared on Twitter how um, I'm really I mean, I was watching it before we started this conversation. I, I'm like Argentinian football is just fascinating to me. Fascinating to me. The difference between Argentinian football and European football is that the manager is everything, you know, in, in a sense. That if he, if he can't get players to play how he wants them to play, um, especially with the lack of, uh, respectfully, the lack of funds, uh, transfer budget, if you will, in, in a different calendar than the rest of the world, if he can't get players that fit his style of play and that will, um, my favorite word, sublimate <laughs> themselves <laughs> to to the you know the leadership style. It won't work. He'll be fired. The club will be relegated, and they'll be just in a you know seemingly eternal on an eternal treadmill of doom. It's not really like that in say um, um, you know let's say Slovenia, Slovakia, Hungary. It's not really like that. Um, there is you know the funds might be similar or less. However, there's more of a there's more of a structural mindset to it, or, or maybe infrastructural mindset to it, less of a leader uh, mindset to it. And neither is better than the other. I mean, yeah, I talk about sporting directors all the time, and I, and I believe that sporting directors are the beginning of having sustainability as a football club. But that doesn't mean that a manager, um, even even you know from generations past, who's very, very good, and why are we still talking about Sir Alex? Why are we still talking about Arsene Wenger? There was plenty of other managers when they were in their prime. Why aren't we talking about them? Because they weren't as good. Like, let's just cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not yeah. it's not one thing that is, um, you know, uh, there's not. It's never going to be about one way being better than the other way. It's going to be about fit and alignment, right? Sir Alex Ferguson fit perfectly. Um, into what Manchester needed at the time that he was hired. And he was the perfect person, person, excuse me, to usher them into um, the Manchester United that we know now globally, for better or for worse, right? Same thing with Arsene Wenger. Uh, he came in at a specific time and he was the perfect person in that part of the journey for the club to implement and change and adapt certain things. But they all due to time, had a, an expiration date of, sor of sorts. Then what, right? You know, uh, one of the things, I don't know if I've ever explicitly said it in our conversations, but as a sporting director, it's le it's incumbent on the owner, um, but, you know, um, it, it kind of goes without saying, but for the sporting director, you have to have the best long-term interests of the club. You know, um, we, we've talked about builders and borrowers and, and you know, we've had, I think, one or two episodes about that. There's also, um, sorry, talk about builders and burners. 
Yep. I, I have not talked about borrowers, right? And borrowers are, if I could say it, are, are people who um, they they get loans. They they they, they get they get essentially get um, a time and a lot of time to try to make things better than what they are. And whether it's acquiring debt or loaning playing talent or or what have you, or, or place to play, you know, a stadium to play, they find ways to bridge where they are to where they want to get to. Is that in the best interest of the club. So when we talk about managers, and this is a very scenic answer to your question, but when we talk about managers and we talk about, you know, um, knowing their role and, and versus a sporting director, can they do a job or, or Alex Ferguson versus um, that generation of, of leadership versus now, um, things will only get more complex as far as leadership and, and the ability to do a better job, resources, data-wise, um, Recruitment-wise, however, what works at Manchester United is not necessarily going to work at DAC or uh, you know Bratislava, uh, Slovan Bratislava, or um, you know Hamburg SV. You know, like it, it, it's all it's culturally and country context specific. No, it makes sense, right? And I guess it could be just the natural football evolution. There definitely feels like there's a lot more variables at play within the game, hence you need maybe more resources to be able to deal with those. Um, but just moving now on to you know a little bit about managers. You know, it's early on in the season um, as we're recording this, and I'm just wondering, from what you've seen, is this when there is the biggest spotlight on that manager role? And whether from a sporting director, they're kind of sitting there going, well, we've just gone through the transfer window. Could this be the next kind of big change that I have to potentially deal with? So all preps around that. Yeah, I mean, this is the time of the calendar where um, if you personally know or related to a manager, you kind of feel for him because it's a no win. It's a no win situation if things aren't going perfectly. You know what All all managers complain about every single summer? Every single summer, regardless of league, regardless of, of level of budget, they complain about the transfer window ending date to a man, to a club, to a league. You know, one of the main reasons why they complain about it. How do you expect us to integrate or lose talent and still maintain a high level of performance from the group? It's possible. It's definitely possible. But it's draining, <laughs> you know. So from a, a manager's point of view, and I'm, I'm, thin, I'm, I'm I've never managed, uh, so I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I know, but I can only begin to imagine how, um, and I use the word specifically, draining it is. You know, one of the things about leadership, if you've done it, um, whether in a sporting sense or uh, in a family or in a, in a business, but with more than 10 people, is that there is um, you you only have so much energy to give in a given day or a given session, and when you are trying to keep the playing style tight, when you are trying to keep the emotional levels high and, and comfortable, when you are trying to make sure that those who are under you are, as far as staff, are um, motivated and equipped and. Like there's so many things on that checklist, right? 
So when you're losing your best talent or when you're losing pieces to the puzzle and you've already played maybe, let's just say, five matches and it's not looking great, the last thing that you want to worry about is obviously getting fired. But, you know, before the window closes, losing, losing a key piece of your squad. Um, and I'll be cynical here that there's an element of football and this is an all sport, all teams. Well, I would say American football for sure. Uh, global football for sure. Basketball, NBA basketball for sure. Uh, Major League Baseball for sure. Not so much hockey um, as much. But there is a fetish. There is a fascination for transfers. There is a fascination for, oh, if we, you know, if so-and-so goes, who would we get? All that's well and great if you're not the one who's managing those players, right? Like, you know, it it, it, it it drains you. It drains you. So um, the, the first, let's say, five or six uh, matches are obviously important. You know, go heading into um, the end of uh, September are important, um, especially top five leagues, uh, positioning and morale. Yet, you know, there, there's a there's again, there's a reason why they the managers universally complain about the chance for window closing, because, you know, you know that you have a certain window of time to make steel. Um, your playing style makes steel the the, uh, the standard in your club. And when one piece goes, even if it's not a highly um, to the outside world produ- uh, producing piece, it changes your outlook and, it, and everybody inside the club knows that as well, from the players to the backroom staff. So it's not, it's, it can be a very fraught, fraught uh, period of time for sure. Yeah, I can only imagine the turmoil actually. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, you you think you built you think you built a good team, and then you get hamstrung the day before, you know, deadline day transfer. You know, and you're basically like, well, what do I do now, kind of thing. But it it feels like these first few months of a season, especially for a manager, it's like I got to start building up credit, right? I got to start putting money in the bank, whether that's results, whether that's fan kind of feeling, all those kind of things, rather than stuff being taken out. Um, is that how you think they look at it? I know. Look, footballers think about when they're playing. They're like, you make one bad, bad pass, now go make two good ones so you're back in credit kind of thing. Do you think managers approach it from that kind of angle? And do you think sporting directors kind of measure it from that kind of angle? I mean, I'm sure they do. Um, I, I, I'm contrarian and I, I, I am a shameless modeler of what works. Um, and that, that doesn't, that do, that's hard to, to sustain long term, right? The best yeah. thing to do, and I'll, I'll, I'm more uh, in tune with the player part of it um, because I have, when you say it, when you're older, it doesn't sound as great as when you thought it would when you're younger. But, I mean, I, I had 20 years, almost 20 years experience playing uh, sports. Uh, like, you, you can't think of it that way. You, you just have to do better with the next one, and that's it. Just try to do better with the next one. And then, you know, when the next opportunity comes, you, you do better with that. As far as managers specifically to, to this question, man, it, it's it's mental. It is literally mental because and I, I mean that in, in just like it's crazy. I don't mean that, you know, um, it's, up to, it's up to them because you you have to keep everything tight personally so that you do not distract in your leadership to the group. Right. 
So I've shared this before. Um, you know, if you're a first team manager of a club, you have what, 18 to 25 players in that first team. Okay. You have your backroom staff. Let's just, for the sake of round numbers, say there's five of those. So that's 30 people who you orbit around every single day. Right. But then what, and this is what people outside of clubs or environments don't necessarily appreciate. You have support staff of various, and this could be people who serve food. This could be janitors. This could be uh, drivers. You have people who orbit around the club who are just as important to the morale and the um, the ethos of that club. So again, just to to be you know uh, super simple and keep it um, my math tight, let's just say that's another ten people. So you have, and, and this is not counting that first team manager's family. Okay, and just for the sake of clarity, you know, we'll, we'll leave personal non-club uh, people out of it. So that one person who's a first team manager has 40 people, 40 people that need to feel comfortable in that manager's leadership. Like I said it before, that is draining and it takes a special individual to be able to balance that and also get results. So at the end of the day, it's always going to be about results, right? I mean, you got to reverse engineer that, but also how do, how do uh, how, how does you Matt? How, how does you? How do you figure out a manager that can handle that pressure? Because that pressure is the job. You don't get paid. Um, I've heard many versions of a similar concept. Um, you know, for for boxers or people who do uh, jujitsu or any type of combat sport. You know, uh, you train. Training is where you become a champion, right? And you pick up your medals or your trophies at the the bouts you know right that's that's a mindset um and at, at the end of the day we, we can all be very judgmental and critical of what happens when the lights are on you know when when the when the grass is wet and the you know the the popcorn or whatever it is that people eat at stadiums we're all even watching the game however it's the other 6 days that are more important they're more well it's not that they're more important. They they lead into that final day, that match day. And how do you find, how do you separate out all the things that are necessary to get the result that is crucial? That is that is the ask of a sporting director. How, how do we find someone um, who we can put into our project who can lead us to, I'll use the word sustainability. They have a playing style and they have a personality, they have a demeanor, a disposition that exudes calm and trust in what we are building. Because if he doesn't have it, if the first team manager doesn't have it, the whole thing is going into the rocks like that at some point. It could either be by October or it could be on relegation day. But you have to be able to identify that person and have, in my opinion, have a, a, a running list of potential people who have that ability. So, so, let's, so let's talk about that, actually. So, you know, if it does come to a point where actually, you know, what we need to make a change, you know, for whatever reason, the results are just not good enough. You know, that's just, that's generally always seems to be the, the most common one around this time. Um, what, what do you think, you know, what do you think the, the sporting director is looking for? You know, is it just I need to find another manager who's going to get me results as opposed to, you know, what, you know, what are you seeing, David? Yeah. So um, and, and again, this, there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. But 
Um, you, you, you have to do your work even when it feels like it's not necessary, right? So this isn't something that you start doing because you didn't win the first match day. You do it year round. You do it every single month. Who are the managers who fit our playing style? Who are the managers that have experience developing youth? Who are a manager? Who are the managers that speak Spanish, Italian, French, German? Right? Like these are things that you do on a on a regular basis, so that in the event, uh, to your example, that there is um, a negative results, you can start to uh, whether it's have conversations or solidify. You know, your let's call it your top choices. You can start to solidify your options. Optionalities, ha- having options as a sporting director is the, the, the realm that you want to live in. You don't want to be forced to only pick between the best of two mediocre or um, expensive options just to have two extremes. Um, you, you want to know that there is a coach in the second division of Germany who speaks English, who plays four, four, three and, and presses. You, you need to know that before you need that. Right. Like, and and that's, that's, that, that concept is not as widespread as it, as you would want it to be because what inevitably inevitably happens is that you have, and they tend to be older, which I don't have a problem with, but you have managers who have coached, who have managed on that level and they get recycled time and time again, because they're a quote unquote proven commodity. Whereas- David, can I, I just ask one? I mean, when we talk about that succession planning, and that makes total sense, but your succession planning often is is the role is the same, right? You're bringing, but if I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, this is what I would do. Sporting director's got different, he's got some board and he's going, right, if after the first 10 games of the season, we are rock bottom, we're going to have to change something more than just the manager because we're in a different scenario. So I need, this list of I'm, I'm going to pick from this list of managers to fix this, as opposed to, you know what, we this 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 managers yeah we're fine from a positional standpoint, but we're not getting the best out of the investment that we've made with our players. So let's now look at this list. Do you think that's how it works? Uh I mean it, it can work that way. It's very simple, but it's like, well, I'm just, so so the the thing and and um the reason why you're getting sort of sort of a, a pushback from me is that like because I've been on the other side of it. So I know yeah. this intimately. We're talking about people. We're talking mm. about people. So when you talk about people, you talk about emotions. And one of the hardest concepts for younger athletes to understand in team sports is that for you to do well in your sport, you have to take a job, a role. And you know when you're professional, money um, that another player can get off of a renewal of a contract or a transfer, whatever, what have you, whatever bonuses they have, you're taking it from them. So even though you're in an, uh, an environment with alphas and, and people who have egos, you still don't want harm to the people that you're on the same team with. You don't. You want it all to work out. You want to be an optimist. So the point of it is um, the, 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 the brass tacks of it, the, the simplicity of it is exactly what you're saying. I mean, um, I don't. I don't like talking about um, it as an investment. You made the best decision with what funds you had and what resources you had um, to hire a manager um, and to connect it, that manager, his staff with the uh, players at your disposal at that time. 
whatever transfers or you know recruitment moves you made, you made. When it does, when it's starting to show itself as not working, this is where it goes back to what you were saying as far as the, like these. I said every other week or so, football is a football is a business. It's an entertainment mm-hmm. business. You have to have infrastructure. You cannot have one person who's made millions or billions of dollars in his office saying, I don't like how they're playing. We're going to scrap it all. No, you, you need to have six, seven, eight weeks worth of data showing that, okay, we're not doing the things that we hired this person to do. You need to have the wherewithal to have evidence, whatever evidence or however you want to couch it, um, you know, as far as making a decision or not, you need to generate evidence consistently that A, you hired the right person, B, or sorry, or B, that that person is not the right person, or C, you know what? Maybe we need to reconsider what we're doing, period, right? These are things that are not, um, you don't arrive at these uh, conclusions. You're constantly taking in, in, in data. You know, one, one of the, the concepts that I, I think um, is important and it gets a lot of play on the interwebs is players and scanning. Oh, Zhao Felix, he scanned 15 times before he made a no-look. You know what um, is the equivalent of scanning for directors? You you need to have a pulse of of what the underlying data is and the trends. You need to know what other clubs are doing in your league. You need to know what has not worked, say, in a 4-4-2 model pressing, you know, in, in our league. You need to have all that data. Because once you have all that, and I say data as a catch-all, not literally, um, you need to have as much information as possible because you will be forced, at some point, you'll be forced to make a a decision, whether it's for a positive opportunity or to stop the bleeding, and you do not want to have the regret of not knowing more before you had to make that decision, right? You look at uh, Olympic Marseille. They signed... They signed Marcelino um, as a manager. Who is a, I mean, to me, he's one of the, the better coaches that was um, available, right? Um, they bring him in in March, or sorry, March. They bring him over the summer, and he's gone as of yesterday, officially. Yeah. What happened? That's not in the scope of this conversation, but you, 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 you cannot go into that happening and not give yourself options. So you have to be scanning the market for managers you have to be scanning the market and i say market like football landscape globally who i mean i'm gonna have this file on my computer or notes file on my phone who are the seven managers who speak french and who have managed in uh league two league on la liga portugal or italy like i just need to have 15 i'm making up numbers i need to have 15 so that in the event of some something tragic happening or something completely sideways happening, like I at least have better venerated options to make begin to make a decision. We can put somebody as a caretaker in place, but we need to get somebody competent and able sooner rather than later. You cannot do that unless you do the work prior to that event. So, I mean, that makes total sense. And, you know, but when, when I think about when you're recruiting players, right? There's so much information out there about players, you know, that whole data and everything like like that. And I guess the sporting director is conversing with the 
the head coach or manager when they're coming to recruit, you know, so they have input, you know, and you've got scouts out there looking for players. When it comes to managers, are sporting directors kind of on their own or, or is there like a scouting network for managers that you're aware of behind the scenes that are employed by sporting directors in some kind of stealth mode trying to find the next big, well, not next big, but just managers who fit a certain profile in certain locations? Because I guess you've got to keep that kind of secret, right? You don't necessarily want to know that I'm looking to replace my manager. Even though the manager's not stupid, he's going to know there's a list of people behind that the sporting director has just in case things don't work out. But how do you think that works? How do you think those lists are built by the sporting director? Yeah, it's all the above. Um, the 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 better, eh, better is not the right word. The more, the more prepared clubs do it in-house, right? They have a director. They have, I mean, the majority of them have data uh, to a degree to where they know statistically um, who would be uh, desirable. But the thing about managers is that it's not just about statistics. Even, even players, obviously, it's not just about statistics. You need to have, um, you know, dare I say, referrals or, or networks that, hey, this this David from, from the, you know, America, is he, is he good? Is he a good person? No, no, mate, he's terrible. He's terrible. You know, like you need to be able to cross check, um, you know, the person as much as, you know, uh, lift up the, the data that underpins. So said so the most prepared clubs do it by themselves. Um, you, you're, I mean, you have, I mean, you have groups like Sportsology, uh, Nolan group, you, you have multiple consultancies who do that as well. Um, but then you also have agents, agent, <laughs> What are my uh, hills that I'm building? You know, I'm not going to die on it, of course, but I'm, I'm building it. All <laughs> agents are bad. A lot of agents know because they, they have players and they talk to players. Um, they know who the good managers are. And being a good manager is, is three-dimensional, at least. Are they good tactically? Are they a good person? And are they good to my client? Are they good to the players? Like, those are three things that sound very, very basic, but you'd be shocked how many managers don't have that? They don't have that. They're only more so a, a tactical genius or, or, you know, and I'm being ex- exaggerative just to underline the point. But the, the, like I said, the one, the clubs who are prepared have some version of shadow listing going on and it is regular. It doesn't matter if they're paying other people to do it um, via consultancy or, or, you know, they're just leaning on agent relationships. To a degree, that doesn't matter as much. What matters more so um, is how do we how do we leverage the opportunity to be prepared? Not that you that you want to be prepared so that you can say you're prepared, but you can't foresee a, a manager leaving a club usually prior to anything negative happening, right? So the worst thing that you could say, and we've seen it happen, I believe. I don't want to just say that. Well, I won't say the club, but like we, we've seen it. We, we've seen what happens when a club doesn't have a strategy in place and they need a first team manager and, and the caretaker manager is essentially a servant to the club, but is left holding the pieces without communication. And that last piece is the most important piece. Right. You don't want to broadcast that you're looking uh, for managers. Right. But how do you communicate to managers when you hire them the expectation? Because there has to be, you can't have the manager holding the bag when things go south. Yes, there is a there is a definite and defined um, performance element to the role. 
However, there's there's a relationship of resources and expectations that have to be shared. And when you can communicate what is going on or what did not happen at a level that is not injurious or damaging to that manager as a club, as an owner, owner, as a sporting director, you give yourself the opportunity to make a better decision going forward. Um, that's all utopian. I understand. I'm not trying to say it happens like that every single time. But you, you have to believe in that process because if you don't, you're going to waste resources, literally, financial, on the pitch, all the above. No, I, it, that, that, that does make sense and it is clear. But looking at it in the, from a sporting director, is there anything more destabilizing than having to change the manager? I know when you change a player, you can, I mean, easily said, but there are so many other similar types of players. But with a manager, is there anything more destabilizing for a sporting director than to have to change that one role? I doubt it, you know, um, because that um, I, I, I'm i a firm believer that the most important hire for a sporting director is his first team or his or her first team manager, because that person, it. If the, the if the director is the um, first lieutenant of the owner, and forgive me for not being up to speed on my army or you know military distinctions, uh, <laughs> but like that first team manager, he the sergeant or what I don't know. Um, he's the one who's implement. He is the applier. He's the applicator. Like he has to be the guy because the sporting director is not drawing up um, you know rotations. He's not. Um, he's not encouraging the guys during training. I mean, they can, you know, you see it happen, especially in, uh, you know, Spain and Italy and Germany, you know, the, the directors are very much a part and parcel of the everyday um, rhythms of the club, the, you know, the, the first team, but the manager, like from playing style to how they, how you respond to adversity, he is on the front lines. You have to have somebody who is empathetic, but also emphatic about the mission that person is not drinking a coffee you know uh he's not drinking a, a latte at your local uh you know coffee shop in whatever um city like that person is it's not that they're rare but that that person you have to sift and sort through a lot of uh, of cvs to get that person right and even if you get that person right it still might not matter right i mean we it's only been three years, but we forget what COVID did to um, the morale and the ethos and the 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 the, the uh, how do I call it the um, the feeling of playing football, right? That's not even talking about the financial impact of it, right? Or of not playing games, you know. So you, you it, it is to me. Uh, I mean, to me, it's by far the most. Im- it is the most important hire um, for a director because even if you're talking about clubs that are more development based with academy directors, yeah, they got like a five, 10 year runway, right? Like, I mean, that's great, you know, but we need to win Saturday. <laughs> you know, as a director, you can't do everything, you know, you better not be doing everything. It's probably a better way to say. So you need somebody who can do the boots on the ground portion with uh, first team. No. I agree. I agree with that. that. That that feels like it's it's the most important hire for a sporting director. Just uh, you know, f- final question, David. Um, 
were they to make that change or were a club to make that change, what do you think that, you know, the most important attributes that that new manager would need to have? I know we've covered things like they've got to be able to lead an upset a number of people and footballing wise, they need to be obviously understand that style, obviously that the club wants to play, but are there other things that you think are just paramount that a manager would need to have, you know, from a sporting director when they're looking to make that hire? Yeah, to me, there's really only um, there's really one watershed skill and that watershed skill is communication. Um, You can rebrand it as connection if you wanted to be a hipster, which is fine. But you have to be able to communicate with your players. You have to. Like, I mean, if if we uh, look at what I post on managers, I'm not posting tactics. Okay, I don't I don't care. I tactics are like water. You, you, you drink it when you have it, right? Like if, if you can if you can get a group of guys, um, a group of players to understand tactics, that's great. How do you communicate it to them? How does a, how does a manager like Mercia Luchescu uh, manage at Shakhtar Donetsk, Inter Milan, Dynamo Kiev, when he doesn't even speak the language that great? How does he do that? He communicates, right? How does Sir Alex, uh, how does he uh, communicate with Brazilian players, Cristiano Ronaldo with? Uh, uh, British and Welsh play. How does he do that? That's that's the key. Tactics are a dime a dozen, right? And I know that I'm going to rile up the the uh, <laughs> the tacticos, right? Tactics are a dime a dozen. Humans who can connect with other humans and embolden them to the mission. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Too often we glorify. Um, you know, Pep and, and, and his tactical nows. And I'm not saying it doesn't deserve that. It, it does. What I'm saying is that how, um, how, how important is it to communicate and to connect with your players? You know, um, there's an example in my head that, that it's too soon to talk about uh, while we're recording, but certain managers bring out the best in certain types of players. Maybe that's an episode for, for, for next time. And the higher up the pyramid, higher up the, the, you know, the stratosphere of football clubs you go, you have to be able to communicate. Right. You like you, you, can, you cannot uh, with all due respect, you cannot pluck a, a manager from the third tier in Sweden and expect him to manage Real Madrid or Manchester United or Inter. And it's not because they don't have the ability it's more so the appreciation of how you need to change your communication to those players. And like I said, to me, that's the key. If you can communicate at a level that um, produces clarity and uh, enables production from players, your, your tactics and your personality, even if you're not the quote unquote special one, will shine. It will shine. But you have to be able to communicate first. I mean, I'm so glad you said it, David. It, for me, that is the, uh, the one trait, without doubt, that's the most important in any kind of leadership role. You know, tactic, tactics to me is an instruction, but the way you explain or deliver that instruction to the player makes them want to believe that, yes, this is the right way to do it and I'm going to do everything to execute that for you kind of thing, right? In any managerial role, I think. Um, but yeah, is that what you think? I mean, is that... But I guess, is that something that can be taught to a manager? I mean, from a managerial background, you know, I feel you can always mentor managers. And I'm guessing when just the last one 
from a managerial perspective, do you think they look at other managers as mentors or do you think they look at sporting directors as also mentors for them to help them do their role? It's a fascinating question because this is this is probably one of the few realms where being a former player, especially at a higher high level, is mass like it's just there's really not a competitor to that, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, look at Shabi Alonso at, at, at the Bayer Leverkusen. He can probably still play better than four or five guys on his first team squad, right? And they know that. They know that, right? So how do you communicate to them that they need to do exactly what he's saying in a humble but also emphatic, uh, authoritative way? You learn that from other good men. Look at the managers that Xabi Alonso has had. It's stupefying, right? Rafa Benitez, yeah. Jose Mourinho. Um, oh, yeah, Pep Guardiola. Carlo Ancelotti. So like, you <laughs> get to a, 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 um, a realization fairly quickly that, yeah, I mean, um, to answer your question, you, you can pick up uh, tools, but you have to have the foundation, right? Like, you have to have a foundation. You have to be able to um, understand um, the, um, I'm going to call it the academic part, like, say, the, the, the tactics and the periodization. All, you have to be able to have that foundation. But then you also have to have a foundation of, okay, I was a player once. I hated it. I hated it when managers said, you know, no, oh, get square, get square. I want to explain what that means in a way that they understand. So it's... It's a blend, I would think. Nah, agreed, agreed. David, really enjoyed today's conversation. Um, I know, I know it's quite a high level in terms of the managerial side, but um, I think it's definitely something that's very pertinent to to the timing of when this episode is recorded. So, David, really enjoyed it as always. Um, thank you to the listeners out there who have taken time out of your day to to listen to us have this conversation. As always, I'll uh, I'll put David's Twitter handle in in the show notes. Um, he puts out some really really great tweets, you know, around the sporting director space, the managerial space, leadership space in general, um, in football, and and also broader as well. So, and as always, please keep a lookout on our our Get Football outlets as well, where we cover European football and world football, you know, with news, videos, opinions from some of the most plugged in analysts across the football landscape. I'll add a link in the show notes to that as well. And as always, we just want to say thank you for being here with us and that we hope you have a great day.